who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. Wander with us into a world of magic. Do you lack magic? Where old stories take on a new life and the world is teeming with possibilities. Well, for the last time, we're not kissing, Fritz. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with. Okay, Gown. Let's do this. And reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. Ready for your next adventure? Then we'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Hey, everybody! I (laughs) refuse to accept that we have arrived at this episode, therefore I refuse to introduce it. Yeah, me too. We're on strike. Ah. <laughs> if we just stand here with our hands planted firmly on our hips, uh, we never have to finish season five. We are here with the gift for you so we can all cry together. But first we have to do an introduction. Hey, so we're going to talk about this episode, which will rip all of our beating hearts from our uh, chests. Uh, Jenny and I are going to talk to you about all the things. Plus... We have a segment, don't we, Jenny? We have a we have a theology-based segment. Producer Alba joins us today for a segment on theology. <laughs> Hell yeah. Very excited about that a little later in the episode. I'm very tight. excited about that as well. And do you know what I'm fucking not excited about? God damn it, everybody, is the goddamn results from our last Sexual Tension Award poll. Um, I have to say, you know, these are some of the finest results I've ever beheld in the entire history of the Sexual Tension Awards. I can only think of one round of Sexual Tension Awards that was as good as these results. And here's why. In fourth place, understandably, with 5% of the vote, it's Joel Grey and his own tongue. Uh, Then in third place... We've got Ben and Glory. They took 14% of the vote. Well, that's because 86% of the remaining uh, voters probably couldn't remember that they had a connection. They have a connection. We do suspect they have some <laughs> kind of connection, but who can say what it is? Then, miraculously, bumped down into second place with a paltry 34% of the vote relative to the first one, huh? Mm. Uh, it's Spike and Xander. And we love to see Spike and Xander getting a good chunk of the vote. Yeah, we do. But not as much as we love seeing in first place with 47% of the vote, nearly 
half of all participating voters voted for Jenny Owen Youngs. <laughs> Whoever that is, she sounds great. And Spike Hotwiring Ben's car. Congratulations to me and Spike Hotwiring Ben's car. Uh, this is a momentous occasion. This marks my second Sexual Tension Awards win. I'd like to thank the Academy. Oh, okay. And All right, I'd like to thank Shepherd Spike cook. for being so hot <laughs> and hot wiring. <laughs> and I'd like to thank my co-host for uh, my co-host, Kristen Nolene Russo, for allowing me to be entered into the Sexual Tension Awards again. Mm. And despite her campaigning against me I think, every step I of the as, way. I think perhaps as a, as a result of me campaigning against you, <laughs> I think I shot myself in the foot on that one. <laughs> well, thank you all for your succulent votes. I knew from the beginning, and yet here we are. I'm going to fade out your voice as the editor of this episode. (laughs) I'm just going to, like, fade you out as though you're being dragged off stage. Hey, can I tell everybody about an upcoming event this Saturday? Please. So, I have a book club. I may not have a sexual tension award on my shelf yet, but I do have a hell of a lot of books. And this month, our Patreon book club is reading N.K. Jemisin's The City We Became. It is... It's as though I lived in New York City for 20 years, give or take, for the sole purpose of getting to feel like I am in the embrace of the most beautiful fucking book I have ever read. It is stunning and amazing. Even if you're not part of the book club, fucking run, don't walk, go get this book. It's especially if you're a New Yorker, man, because it is just whoo. So it's so good. Anyway, Saturday, August 29th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Book clubbers join me. We Zoom together now. It's real cute. We all get on with our little faces and talk about our feelings and our thoughts on the book. Um, And hey, you know, come on over to our Patreon if you'd like and join us because we'll be reading books every month. Also, hey, speaking of books, as many of you know by now, We began an anti-racism reading and discussion group back in June and had our first facilitated sessions with Mac McDade, who's an integral part of our team here in many ways, on Ijeomo Oluo's So You Want to Talk About Race. Based on her time with the group so far and learning more about the buffering community, Mac has chosen Mickey Kendall's Hood Feminism as the book we will be discussing this October. We encourage you to join us all and join Mac in our ongoing conversations, and you can learn more at bufferingthevampireslayer.com slash justkeepfighting. For those who can commit to more reading, Mac has chosen When They Call You a Terrorist, a Black Lives Matter memoir for August's read, and The Seven Necessary Sins for Women and Girls for September's. Yes, and uh, if it's not up already, it will be up very soon. A picture of those three books on our socials um, so that you can find them. Also, just a gorgeous trilogy of books. Like, I have them all three uh, sort of lined up, and they're just three beautiful covers. Thank you, Mac, for all that you're doing here in this space. Um, And for those of us who can join us in October, please do. And hey, you know, here's the thing about us, Jenny. Did anyone really think that we would be satisfied with one episode discussing the season five finale, The Gift? Like, did anyone really? I think we thought so briefly, but erroneously. (laughs) For for one fleeting moment, we thought perhaps Uh one would be enough. But no, no, of course not. Because, listen, we got all (laughs) sorts of Kristen and Jenny up in this episode, but we want to ask you all to join us uh, on perhaps a metaphorical couch. Cry along with us. The tears will not be metaphorical for a special episode that we're going to be airing on September 9th. 
Latoya Ferguson, uh, the new host of season three of Angel on Top, is going to be with us talking about her feelings on this episode, a very important episode of Buffy for her. Uh, Mac McDade is going to join us to get out some very serious spike thoughts and feelings. (laughs) Um, And we also want to bring your voices in to help guide us. Yeah, that's right. An interactive episode. You fucking heard it here first. Mm -hmm. Go on over. I made you a bit.ly. It's bit.ly slash death is your gift on theme to send in your questions, (laughs) your thoughts, your stories. Uh, It's a form where you can send us all of those things, questions, thoughts, stories, and we're going to use as many of those as we can in that bonus episode. The phone number to leave a voicemail is also over there at that link, bit.ly slash death is your gift, all lowercase. I will be jigsawing it all together for one masterpiece of a bonus episode on September the 9th. Bless you, Kristen. And hey, it looks like we have a listener email that I'm going to read to you right now. It's pertinent to my interests Mm. and hopefully yours as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, This person wrote, I'm answering the call given out in regards to Ben's headbutting of Minion de Hoffren and listeners' experiences with headbutting slash using our hard noggins to take someone out. (laughs) I myself have used such a tactic on many occasions. As the youngest of four and only girl raised in the heathen times of the early 90s as a latchkey kid, fights often broke out and my only recourse against my big brothers was the headbutt. (laughs) My head is thick and it can and has sustained many soccer balls in my short-lived hopes of becoming a cool soccer player like the great Mia Hamm, as well as falling off of things and tripping into things head first. My brothers may have had the strength, but I was always able to get out of a scrap by simply slamming my head as hard as I could forehead first into whichever brother was terrorizing me at any given time. Worked like a charm. I also had butted a kid in fourth grade because he was picking on my friend. Don't fuck with hard-headed, clumsy, aspirationally sporty girls who protect their friends at all costs. Thanks for your time. <laughs> a woo to you both. Best. Lindsay. Oh. Lindsay. Lindsay. Thank you for this. This important piece of investigative journalism that uh is close to my heart yeah i'm so happy to have this info close to mine too and jenny i'll let you know that um when we get around to getting a mailbag episode out which we'll be doing pretty soon i'm sure uh they i have a few headbutting emails to share and Ooh. one of them is like called something like headbutting and physics and it's very long and i am i'm so excited very excited about it so Lindsay, thank <laughs> you um, and may we all now hope that our heads are hard enough to slam directly in to season five, episode 22, The Gift. Hell yeah. And welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we we cry, where we cry, where we cry. Every episode is Buffy the Vampire Slayer (laughs) one by one. Spoiler free. It gets harder every day. I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. I'm Kristen fucking Russo. You know, I'm sorry, but I'm pissed, man. Nobody told me what I was signing up for. I know technically I'd seen the series once before, but like, fuck everybody. This week, we're talking about season five, <laughs> episode 22, 
The gift. It is not a gift. It is not a gift. <laughs> um, stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by Jenny that recaps the Buffy episode we are <sighs> discussing. The Gift, which is a lot, was written and directed by Joss Whedon and originally aired on May 22nd, 2001, exactly six months after my 19th birthday <laughs> and six months before my 20th birthday. Wow. Yeah, I mean, really near to exact age as Buffy, right? Near to exact, mm-hmm. near to the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, I read you the IMDb description of the episode at this point in the episode, but like, fuck it. This is the one where we cry, where we cry some more. It's the one where like Tara and Willow make us cry. It's the one where Spike and Buffy make us cry. It's the one where Don and Buffy make us cry. It's the one where Joel Gray has that fucking knife in his hand and it's creepy as fuck it's the one i mean willow is just shut up and listen we're just i can't Mm -hmm. normally normally jenny uh i watch the episode at least at like at least three hours before we tape but as i talked about a little bit in the weight of the world i've been having like increasing emotional resistance to watching the episodes and so i like mm-hmm. literally watched this moments ago and so i'm, I'm you're you're hearing me in the wake of sobbing um like i have puffy eyes freshly tenderized meat <laughs> uh yeah um so mm-hmm. this is the 100th episode of buffy the vampire slayer and the fucking <laughs> Caddy fucks at Warner Brothers. <laughs> I can't believe this shit. They promoted this episode as the series finale when I think it was already established that the show <gasps> did in fact get picked Stop up. Stop it. By UPN. Stop <laughs> can't it. Can't believe it. What? Oh my god, that is rude. The like industry like, you know, inside baseball-y mm-hmm. behind the scenes stuff about this episode, it's very murky, so who can say? But that is a thing that I read. Uh, and seems about right. I mean, listen, at this point, we probably are in some ears that might have further answers. So if you know about scandalous goings on in the year 2001, mm. please email us at bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. It is the 100th episode, Jenny. And I thought you were going to say, how did, oh. the, how did the person who created this previously on not become an Emmy, Oscar, uh, Peabody Award winner? Uh, God bless planet Earth. Did you know that this, this previously on literally contains something from every episode of Buffy up to this point? Yo, 99. Yeah. Giles. Giles running as a monster, including <laughs> the horsies. Uh, there's just like, it's got something for everyone. It does. And like, I, I watched the previous thing on a few times. The first time I cried because I forgot and it like slapped me across the face. Just like, mm-hmm. just so many people get slapped across the face actually in this episode, um, including <laughs> Kristen Russo. <laughs> <laughs> But um, first of all, the opening, right? The way that the previously on opens, Giles standing up there on the top level of the library in the high school into each generation, right? And then it cuts to Buffy being like, why don't we start with, hi, I'm Buffy. I'm Xander. I'm Cordelia. I'm going to cry 
right now. I know. I have full body goosebumps. I know. I'm dialed. And Angel, I'm Angel, is is in there. That's the lineup that we get. And like seeing Buffy's season one little face and her little hairs. I know. I know. Like you all thought maybe because I was tweeting about crying. Like maybe you thought like I was crying when like I spun through everything. No, I cried the minute I saw her tiny face, and then Xander was like, I'm Xander. I was like, that was it for me. I was gone. Fucking crying. <laughs> just, just crying. I can't. Because, you know, at this point, I don't know. Uh, th- this show means so much to so many in, in just so many different ways. And I think continues, if you're a person who watches the show again and again, like Jenny, you have been in your life historically, comes to mean different things, right? Like every evolution is different. But Jenny, for you and I, like this journey, end of 2015 is when we started it. And so for us, even as like hosts of the podcast it contains these like marks of life and so when you go back like this and you're rooted to 2015 when we were saying hi i'm Kristen and i'm jenny and this is a podcast we're making like it's just it's a lot you guys Whew, we just started you should probably turn this off don't listen to this episode <laughs> i I'm going to (laughs) go. A couple broad stroke notes Mm -hmm. about this episode. Yeah. It looks uh, beautiful. It looks nice. It looks rich and fancy and filmic. It looks better than any episode we've seen up to this point, I Mm -hmm. think. It looks, you know... Purely cinematic. It does. It's stunning. Um, and it's also like it's it's quite something um, not to keep going back to the previous land, but it is quite something to go through that evolution and then and then arrive in a very like similar vibey scene to the opening scene of the first season, first episode. Right. Because how good is this? My notes for this episode are just like literally every single piece of dialogue. Same. It is, it's so tight and and uh there is not a moment wasted not a shot wasted everything is just like juiced up to 11 <laughs> maximum emotional impact uh you know the funny shit is the funniest the sad stuff is the saddest obviously it's just like it's so much it really is and it's like you know we get so this scene right this opening scene um yes visually like take it lay it over the opening scene of the of the first season and like that will give you a cue as to like how far we've come budget wise certainly in the series (laughs) um but also this is like the essence of Buffy distilled in this scene, right? Visually, clothing that she's wearing, she's got, like, and it's simplified. Black leather pants, simple. White tight shirt, simple. Her hair yeah, pulled back, cool. simple. Mm-hmm. Like, it is just, like, she is the slayer. Like, it, you thought she was the slayer in season one. You thought she was the slayer seasons two, three, four, you thought she was a slayer this season? No, now. Like, now she is the fucking slayer. And it is so powerful. Yeah, and like grade A quipping with the biting off more you can chew. And what a Ow, my leg. Oh, my, oh, God, my leg, my leg. <laughs> and then, oof. are you kidding me with the fucking... No, I'm not. The way we get out of this scene with... This kid saying, like, but you're just a girl. And Buffy's saying, that's what I keep saying. Come on! Seriously, come on. Like, and it's also, I would like to rewind it back a punch because it. he says, how did you do that? And she says, it's what I do. Then he says, mm-hmm. but you're just a girl. And she says, 
That's what I keep saying. This is... The core of this episode is asking us in four million ways to look at what sets Buffy apart, what makes her different, and what doesn't. And, like, what about her humanity is what places us all here with her and what makes this, like, sort of unroll the way that it unrolls, right? It's here everywhere. Ah! Every little piece of dialogue. If you unroll that little piece of dialogue, you get a fucking mile-long thesis on this core piece. Uh, Buffy is who she is because of her humanity and her humanity makes her vulnerable. I mean, we'll get into it because there's even like a Shakespeare. There's Shakespeare in this episode that underlines this with Henry V. Like, fuck you, everyone with this episode. Okay, so great. We've made it through the previously on. (laughs) (laughs) And the cold open. Okay, so out of the credits, we go into the magic box. And this is one of those episodes for me, you know, sometimes I can really note the um, difference of a format by the way I take notes. Because normally in an episode of Buffy, I take notes by location. Um, You know, oh, magic box, this happens up, we're here, this happens up, we're here, this happens. You could tell immediately, I could tell immediately as I started to take notes that like, oh yeah, this is a whole different situation because we are basically in the magic box or we're at the tower where Glory is. There's very few other locations that we are during the course of this episode. Um, And the scenes just sort of like roll into each other. Mm -hmm. We're there and the Scoobies are letting us know by their faces that while this might be a fun uh, drama sci-fi show that oh shit the apocalypse actually sometimes is real and this is a grave situation like we are not joking to get this episode kicked off we are all sitting in a room together Buffy has just learned at the end of the last episode that the task before her is to kill her own sister uh thoughts during this ritual being explained Mm. the key was living energy needs to be poured into a specific spot to create a portal, which brings the walls between dimensions down. And then when it's finished pouring, the walls come back up. A couple things. There's much that is made of, oh, we, you know, it's like once Dawn starts bleeding, she's got to finish bleeding. And like, I know there's somebody listening right now who works <laughs> at like a butcher shop or a cadaver zone. Uh, and you know, you know all about uh, bleeding a body. Zone. And what I would like to know, I'm just like thinking it can't, there can't be a, like a pure, clean, like, oh, I'm pouring this can, this bottle of Coke into mm-hmm. a glass mm-hmm. and now it's completely empty and now I'm done. It can't be that clean with like bleeding a human body. So I take issue with this, this whole thing that everyone's just accepting as a given uh, mm. that like, this is exactly how it's going to work. Also, it's clearly stated that the gates will close when the blood flows no more how about just getting some bandages how about just um you know little neosporin well also like right i mean this call like this calls back to so many things we've seen before in the series obviously angel is is like the most on the nose parallel here because uh buffy had to kill angel to close a portal and she did and we'll get there to Mm -hmm. that discussion but portals man portals and blood blood and portals uh that's the subtitle of this podcast (laughs) but but also you know with faith and angel um where buffy was like i I'm going to bring Faith over because he needs to drain, like the the cure was to drain a Slayer's blood completely or whatever. I just feel like there was some math that could have been done. You might even call it hell math that 
could have allowed us to lose half of Dawn's blood and half of Buffy's and been okay. <laughs> it's definitely like metaphysical math that's being done. And I, I don't mean to poke holes in the drama. These are just some things I was thinking about while I was watching. Anyway, mm-hmm. we hear the first in an ongoing refrain from Tara that she has places to be. Mm-hmm. And then speaking of blood, wondering why it's got to be like this, Spike has some answers. It's life, baby. It's, what's key, it's, it's what keeps you going. It's what keeps you warm. It's what keeps you hard. Spike, just really going for it. Um, yeah, Jenny's making Sir? a cringe face. This is a family show. <laughs> Sir, um, can I tell you something really stupid? <laughs> I think it's really stupid. Um, on the Vampire Diaries, uh-huh. uh, a technique that the vampires use to like appear human is that they drink lots of coffee to warm up their blood. Can you believe that? Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking about blood and warmth and and here we are. Is- Spike is talking about his penis. Spike is talking about his penis, but Spike is also talking about blood being life. Like, right? Like totally. blood, that's, that's it, it, like, you know, modern spikes can have it all. Hey. <laughs> He's right. He's right. When he's right, he's right. And then, uh, oh, my God. Holy shit. Dad gets. Woo! Dad has an episode, Yo, this doesn't is... he? Yo, Woo. this might be this might be the Giles of all Giles episodes of all time. I mean, this this is insanity. It's so intense. It's like he's at the at, at once. He is both his dadliest mm-hmm. and his ripperiest yes! that we have seen. Yes. Oh. What a hot dichotomy. A dichotomy, if Child, you will. Somebody take the old Girls Gone Wild logo, but take the girls. It's so easy. It's it's like, it's like you know, changing a license date with a pencil. I got to go. Can somebody make the Girls Gone Wild, Giles Gone Wild, please? Because that's what this episode is. Wow. Giles Gone Wild. Um, he, wow. And this is like, I'm. you know, we're, we're laughing, but this is not funny at all, this moment um essentially buffy says we are not talking about this and giles like stands up and full-throated is like yes we bloody well are and Ooh. everyone is like Scrap! what yeah <laughs> but buffy doesn't waver like buffy doesn't miss a beat she's made up her fucking mind like she comes in she left the weight of the world knowing there was no there's no talking to Buffy. She's drawn a boundary and mm. she's going to fucking keep it there. Tell me to kill my sister. Uh, Giles says, "Ooh, ouch, she's not your sister. And we know that like Giles is pushing for he's pushing for Buffy to do the thing that he feels needs to be done. Like Her job mm. is to save the world. And like that comes with rough choices. And this is one of them. And it's hard. But that's what we do. And she's like, yeah, no. Not anymore. And she gives us like the the line to the end of the episode, of course, by saying she's not just my sister. Right. She is me. She's made of me. She's made from who I am. And when I'm near her, when um, mm-hmm. she's with me, uh, it is like more powerful than anything that any of you could understand. Willow says, mm. hey, we're going to solve this. Just. Don't have another coma, okay? Because that would really slow things down if Willow had to go back in. <laughs> Willow is just so willowy, like old willowy. Um, season one, two, three, willowy in this episode, which is is you know a little whiplashy for all of us because we've gotten so um, dark magic with Willow moving to the end of the season. But this episode, she's just like back to this place of. Um, 
it's going to be okay. Um, you know, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the big gun. Can I just be like a, a cudgel <laughs> or a pointy stick? Like furiously Googling cudgel. <laughs> but it, it's just, I don't know. I, I, with your permission, Jenny, I, I would just really love to play Willow, her, her jingle, her original Willow jingle, because I feel like this episode really gives us some of that core of Willow um, that we love. Please. the square root of 1225 willow who's gentle of heart and nimble with a hard drive willow 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 do you find out what a cudgel is (laughs) yeah i just wanted to let you all know i've completed my googling and while a cudgel is sometimes just a stick, it's also sometimes something that looks a bit more like a hybrid between like a beefy stick and a mace. Sometimes it has like <laughs> pointy, scary, uh, ridgy things at the end. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think like I don't want to be a gun. I'd rather be something less scary and violent, like a cudgel. You know, I'm just, I'm just thrilled for the listenership that they got to hear you say beefy stick. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, So this scene ends with Buffy basically saying, hey, then the last thing that Dawn will see, like if the world is ending, the Uh, last thing she's going to see is me defending her. And she says, I'm sorry to everybody in the room. And I say the end of the scene, but it's actually just like the end of the the world is ending and we're all going to cry because then we move. Thank God. Something that Joss is very good at um, is balance. Yes. Knowing when we need a minute. And life is like that. Yeah, man. Life is like that, right? Like even if you're. If yeah, you're, it can't be all one thing. No. And when and when you're all just like in a room uh, knowing that the apocalypse is around the corner, it's pretty human to make a joke about it because what the fuck else are you gonna do anya's like polling for ideas <laughs> spikes like would you say you love us all <laughs> giles and xander are like shut up anya's like maybe willow could turn glory into a hoppy toad and we could hit her with a hammer tara is so excited that somebody said hoppy toad xander maybe having his best idea ever mm-hmm. is like what if we just kill ben <laughs> yeah yeah, and the room, rude, room responds as though this is a <laughs> horrific idea. Meanwhile, Giles always has it in his back fucking pocket the whole time. Way to let Xander and, take the fall. And Giles just was like, hey, we might have to kill Don. Like, <laughs> right. Essentially, he didn't say that out loud. But like, I mean, it's a little different for us as the viewers because we've already seen Ben make a deal with Glory and uh, yes. be yes. shitty. Yes. So... Once they realize collectively that they only need to distract Glory till the ritual window has closed, they don't need to kill her. You know, like she only has a finite amount of time to accomplish this task. Otherwise, she's shit out of luck. Anya's like, yo, we got to keep brainstorming. And everyone's getting pissed. And Giles is so mean. And he's like, besides your completely uninfectious enthusiasm, what do you have to contribute? Anya's like, the Dagon Sphere. We're all like, Oh my god! <laughs> the what? I completely forgot. Then she fucking Vanna White's over at Olaf's fucking troll hammer and is like, what about this fucking tramp? This hammer, it's it's a weapon of the gods, so you can use it. Spikes across the room. Oh no, that's that's too heavy to end. Buffy just picks it up like it's a fucking slim jam. And he's like, oh, uh, good. <laughs> good. Uh, oh yeah. Fucking yeah, Anya no. just fucking coming out with all the fucking hot ideas after they were just like 
What do you have to yeah. offer besides a love of money? Yeah, Anya's got a lot to offer. Play her fucking jingle. She spent one millennium demonically vengeance in. Speaks her mind and then some. You know she's partial to the finer things and down with double boyfriends. Oh yeah, exchanging cash for goods and also services. She'd love to hold the money for ya. Seriously, and and this lays out the blueprint for the plan. This is the plan. Yes. Instead of a hoppy toad, they throw the fucking uh, orb of Thessala part due at her. You know what I mean? Like this is this is what they do. They weaken mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. hammer her, and they fucking kill Ben. So. <laughs> Anyway, Tara is also a key to the episode um, because she knows where the ritual is going to take place. Um, A little like, you know, a a bit of a nod here. And I think we're going to talk about this a little bit more in season six without spoiling too much. But like mental health is used as a plot device in this entire season, probably most so in this episode with Tara. Um, There's sort of just like a generic um, glory sucks you know, human's brain, human behaves in these ways. uh, And those things then give us, uh, you know, the line to get to where we go. But there's no exploration of mental health. There's no, there's like no um, depth to the conversation that is for sure, Mm -hmm. like required, um, I think. Uh, And I say we're going to talk about it in season six more, not necessarily because we'll like get super back into season five, but because I think that mental health may be a large part of season six. It's just a hunch I have. So um, Mm -hmm, putting mm -hmm. a pin in that here and saying like, yeah, uh, wish that Tara was like, wish that Tara's mental state wasn't used as a plot um, device vehicle, if you will, without um, any depth to it. Mm -hmm. Cool. So Ben and Don, Don and Ben. Yo, Don. Bless her. Bless her fucking heart. Because she really, I I identify with Dawn a lot in this exchange that she has where she, like, summons Glory back. And she's like, you know what? Ben is a fucking monster, but at least you're upfront about it. There's a lot to say there, don't you think, Jenny? Yeah. Wait, are you suggesting there's a connection <laughs> between Ben and Glory? <laughs> Ben is glory, glory is Ben. Ben is glory, glory is Ben. In case you forget, I'll say it again. Ben is glory and glory is Ben. No, absolutely. I think it makes, you know, loads of of sense that in your final hours, you'd want something a little more straightforward. So Glory is like, yo, Donnie, I know you think that your big sister's coming for you, but heads up, she probably learned that the way to end this all is to kill you. So probably she's not going to show up. I have two qualms with this episode. (laughs) This is the first smacking down on the grate we've got like up through the grate shot happening and she's like buffy don i know i know you're in a bad spot but this is a little oh, over the top i like it i'm gonna i'm gonna disagree with you it happens so infrequently okay. now that we've gotten rid of riley um but i i actually this was very moving to me um i i thought it was i i just thought it was I think that a lot of the scenes with Dawn are very effective at showing how terrified she is and how much she needs her sister to be there with her, to help mm-hmm. her. And so I, you know, write into us, bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com. What do you think? 
Team, oh my god, who's right? Jenny or hashtag Kristen? Team Kristen or hashtag Team what Jenny? The hell, <laughs> I just felt like Michelle Trachtenberg was accomplishing what needed to be accomplished without saying Buffy. That's all. Like I felt like we were getting. Well, you know what, Jenny? Talk to me when your big sister is a vampire slayer. You've been a mystical key. You have a hell god that's about to drain your blood slowly over a portal, opening up all the hell dimensions. And like, then let me know. Like, will you say Buffy's name? Okay, so next next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next week, week. could you just check in with me? Uh (laughs) Yeah. So Buffy is punching the punching bag across the room. She punches it off its chain. Buffy, you're going to need all that energy. What are you doing? No. She correctly is like, because Giles is like, are you going to tire yourself out? She's like, nope. And you, I fully believe her. I'm like, she could punch that punching bag from now until next Tuesday and still have all the energy she needs mm. for this battle. She's full mm-hmm. of it. Because it's like hyperdrive, right? Like she knows uh, that she could die, that her sister could die, and that she doesn't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> and so like, I just yeah. feel like that's a different kind of energy. I love the juxtaposition that we get here of Giles coming in and saying, like, I have to do what I have to do. I have to because of oaths that I have sworn to this world. I have to say things and do things that other people can't and shouldn't have to. Yeah. I feel like there is mutual respect while also, like, nobody's giving up ground. Yeah. Yeah. Which I really, really like. I like to see them both kind of coming at it with their own personal convictions mm-hmm. and knowing that like they each believe what they believe for the reasons that they believe it yeah uh, it's nice. and it's it's a line right it's like that's technically also Buffy's station in life but Giles gives us this line at the end of the episode talking about her as a hero um, and that she couldn't do this thing and and there's just there's so many layers in this exchange that like play out through the rest of the episode but I agree neither one of them is saying like fuck you they're just saying like I'm gonna do what I have to do and you're gonna do what you have to do and like also I love you so They sit down on this squeaky leather couch, pleather probably, and (laughs) I think it's Buffy who's like, so how many apocalypses is this for us now? Giles says at least six. Um, I'm pulling from a little factoid blurb on IMDb here, Becoming Part 2, The Zeppo, Graduation Day Part 2, Doomed, and Primeval are um, the six that we know of. So this is actually Mm -hmm. uh, accurate or near to accurate numbers. And then there's a fun little uh, Easter egg in there when uh, he says feels like a hundred. Um, be- well, first of all, because damn, doesn't doesn't one apocalypse feel like a hundred? But also, uh-huh. this is the hundredth episode. Yeah, so sick. Yeah, and so we've been thinking it the whole time, right? Wow, this is so similar to this other time when Buffy had to kill a thing she loved more than anything in the world to close a portal, which is Angel, and she brings it up. Um, and she says, "I'm actually gonna." play this sound clip i'm going to play a couple of sound clips in this episode mostly with the intentionality of making you cry as much as we've had to cry you're welcome Mm -hmm. i don't understand i don't know how to live in this world if these are the choices if everything just gets stripped away i don't see the point i just wish that I just wish my mom was here. Mm 
Relatable content. Oof. Buffy. Oof, 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 right? And this, like, we've been on this journey with Buffy for a while. Even, like, I'm thinking of Lie to Me. I remember our discussion of Lie to Me and sort of, like, digging into... The end of that episode specifically, I think, uh, where she's starting to realize that, like, oh, it's not just that, like, demons are bad and slayers are good. It's not just that, like, this over here is good and this over here is bad. The lines are really blurry and it's really confusing. And um, Buffy has lasted longer than I think we are to believe most slayers have. And I think part of what we're seeing here, too, is that like being a slayer and carrying the weight of the world has a shelf life because it gets more and more confusing the more you do and the more you like think you knew what was right and you knew what was wrong. But then you do what you thought was right, but actually was it. And it's just very confusing. Sounds like life. I hate it. Yeah. Unsubscribe. (laughs) Unsubscribe. Why are you listening to this podcast? Get out of here. We've asked you so many times. (laughs) (laughs) Buffy also mentions that uh, death is her gift and Mm. says that uh, she guesses that means the Slayer really is just a killer after all. Mm. And then she tells Giles that if Dawn dies, she's quitting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she won't have to do that, will she? Mm, Not exactly. And, you know, there's just there's a lot. And we're going to get to the unfortunately, we're going to get to the scene with Spike and Buffy in a little bit. But like there's a lot there, too. Right. That Buffy's saying, like, I guess all I am is a killer. And then, like, how does that overlay with Spike saying, like, I know I'm a monster, but you treat me like a man like and and faith saying like you're you're bad you're or you're not even bad but like you're this is what you are this like this darkness is what you are and you know mm. that question just like springs eternal for buffy um she cannot figure out um where her humanity ends and her like darkness begins which is like just a lot to unpack and I'm gonna just like put it back in the suitcase because I don't want to unpack it right now so fuck Mm -hmm. everyone you know what really got me Dawn folding up her clothes so neatly and sliding her little shoes under the chair this is gutting it's gutting the like little detail of her tiny self going off to be bled out and still folding her clothes Yep, and then Glory orders the minions to take her up to that rickety-ass tower. I don't know, this just has a real strong, like, Mad Maxi kind of, like, mm. I don't believe it's guaranteed to stay upright. I know they only need it I'm for, like, like yeah. five minutes. Right. Do you think that there was a um, a height that it had to be? Like, is there... Um... There definitely there definitely is a height that it had to be because once we get to the end, you'll see the blood drip into a very specific spot. Right. Vertically. It's like in Mario Brothers when you'd, like, just be, like, running along and it just looks like a sky, but actually if you jump up at the right moment, you, like, hit one of those exactly. hidden little fucking things. That's where, like, that's yes. the portal. <laughs> Yes. Precisely. 
Uh, anyway, yes, it's when we see the tower for the first time. And then we go to the basement where obviously people are fucking. I am so surprised that more people are not fucking in this episode. They all think the world Dude. is ending. Isn't that what? I mean, Jenny, you think the world is ending. You're downstairs in a basement. Are you going to or not going to have sex with your partner or there anyone else that happens to be down there? <laughs> Well, they're kind of like the only coupling or anyone else. No, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, this makes a lot of sense. We saw Willow and Oz do it a while back. Oh, yeah. Um, I just like love this Giles calling down into the basement (laughs) and Xander and Anya furiously redressing and re-zipping and re-buttoning. Oh, not yet. Let's uh, look over there where we haven't uh, yet looked. Indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Uh, maybe my favorite uh, Xander Anya moment to date is when Xander is like pervert and she goes other pervert. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're pet names for each other. And this (laughs) this comes about because Xander pulls a sheet off something that's just like resting in the basement. And oh, God, it's the Buffy bot. Yeah. Why didn't they melt it down? And Anya's like, maybe Willow wanted it. And Xander was like, ah. I don't think, uh, according to, like, trying to say out loud that, like, he doesn't think that while he, like, furiously uh, creates a scenario in his mind that's like Slayer and and Mega Witch uh, have a blast in the cemetery good times, 1080p HD. (laughs) I'm so mad. Somebody who needs a project, please fucking smash together the amount of fucking times Jenny has said 1080 whatever you say. 1080p p- pixels hd 80 hd whatever if actually if you're as as long as you're going in and making a supercut don't just get the the specs <laughs> get the title of all the porn i've created thank you <laughs> yeah fair very fair um okay so uh i don't really like i wish that anyone could just say orgasm in their exchange but they instead say arrived and pleasure moment <laughs> So fine. I mean, don't yuck their yum. It is. It is what it is. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but yeah, the the Buffy bot is revealed. You probably know the minute you see the Buffy bot that the Buffy bot's gonna be used somewhere in the episode, right? Why else would we? Why else would we have that moment? And then in what is maybe one of the best Anya moments we have to date, uh, she screams in horror, mm. in abject horror. Uh, yes. <laughs> Pulls out a stuffed pink bunny. Who would leave this here? (laughs) (laughs) So indignant. Uh, But she correctly says, I think this is an omen. I mean, the episode doesn't end well. So, hey, then something happens, doesn't it? Yeah, she's talking about how usually when there's apocalypse, she runs away. But now she loves stupid Xander so much that here she is (gasps) brainstorming and trying to fight a god and like la la la. And then Xander's like, hey want to get married it's really sweet and like uh, it makes sense to me like Anya's response makes (laughs) sense to me it's very Anya first of all but second of all you know like oh sure the dude's gonna propose to you like right before he thinks he's gonna die because then he gets like the fucking brownie points for doing it yeah Yeah. but but he he doesn't have to like follow through with it but um Xander is really sweet and is like no like I I know the world isn't going to end and that's why I'm asking you Mm-hmm. Very, very sweet. So uh, Anya says yes, then she retracts, says no, uh, <laughs> and says I will answer you uh, at the uh, if the world if the world is still here, then I will 
then I will say yes. Um, so very sweet, uh, Anya and Xander. We love to see it. Well, I shouldn't say we, but I love to see it at the very least. It's nice. I would like to see Anya with somebody else, like me, for example. But <laughs> if it has to be somebody in universe, I guess Xander is around. Mm, fine. <laughs> oh no, they're it's cute. Oh, it's very cute. Come it's very cute. On. I know. I know that we're known for our distaste of Xander, but Xander's okay right now. He's doing he's doing a, a decent job, which is a lot. He's for doing Xander. a good job. Uh, okay, so we talked about Willow and um her not wanting to be the big gun. This is that scene now we get. It's it's actually really, I think, um important. You know, that Buffy is pointing out to Willow what we've been pointing out on the podcast for several episodes now which is uh dude do you realize how fucking powerful you are <laughs> because yeah you're the only one who has hurt glory of any of us you're the only one and we need you yep yep and willow says she's been spending the last couple days mostly looking for ways to help tara no. ah, but she says oh my gosh breakthrough maybe she mm -hmm. thinks if she can get close enough that she might be able to reverse what Glory did to Tara and the, the bonus side effect of that reversal might weaken Glory or might make her like woozy or it might make all their heads explode. Fingers crossed it's not the third one. And Buffy's like, cool, keep working. And then Tara slaps Will across the face. Mm. I don't know how much I've talked about uh parents aging on this podcast, but um, a very good friend of mine um, is going through, you know, her mother having very advanced dementia. Um, my dad has been in the beginning stages of losing memory and going through some like mental health experiences that are specifically um, connected to aging. Um, and I used the word abject before, which always makes me think of being a grad student uh, in gender studies, that like there's this abjectness to human being human that we like our whole economy, like capitalism is built around hiding it. Right. Like we're made of like blood and and pus and like all this shit that like we can't stand to know or look at because it shows us our mortality. And so we market things like nice haircuts and makeup and lotions and creams and pretty clothes and whatever. And like all of it is just like this grand distraction from life like the true the truth of life uh and i don't know if i'll be able to connect this fully for you but hey maybe my job as a podcaster is to give you all of the ingredients and you can make of it what you will i just feel like this moment is a moment that echoes in a lot of our experiences um with with aging parents for sure but i think in a lot of ways outside of that where you're face to face with the like blood and guts of life and where you are in that moment. And Willow has to like look at Tara and see where they really are in that moment and love her in that moment. And it's a lot. Right. Like over the past bunch of episodes, Willow has had to deal with a sudden shift in her reality, which magical or real, the core of it is that suddenly her partner is farther away from her. Mm-hmm than she was mm -hmm. yeah thank you so much everyone for this episode um and also no thank you <laughs> yeah uh, fuck you. so we get another and again here's joss right like knows that he's making us look at something that feels hard really hard to take in and so then he gives us xander being like i'd like to take the broadsword and spike's like don't swing it at me man no homo <laughs> 
essentially. Oh my God. <laughs> Keep your great big sword away from me, Xander. <laughs> <laughs> and then Spike sets us up for later um, by being like your glorified bricklayer. And what I love is that Xander is like, touche. Like he like doesn't really like kick it back. He's like, yeah. And then Anya's like, hey, he's also a really good. But no, he says, I'm also a really good bowler. And Anya's like, yeah, he even has shoes. <laughs> like what? <laughs> oh, and Spike says the gods themselves they tremble, and we laugh. We get a moment of levity because oh no, we're gonna get plunged headfirst into misery in the next scene. We see that Buffy's been been uh, having a conversation with the squad while Tara and Willow had that brief exchange, and she's like, "Oh, that's huge, huge if true." Uh, you know, and, and, uh, they're like kind of having half a conversation to keep us out of the loop where she's like, well, I'm going to have to go pick up. Is there time? Okay. Spike, come with me. And they go to the summer's residence Mm. to get weapons and something else that we don't know about yet. (laughs) Buffy walks through the door, but Spike cannot. This, um, quote this moment i always forget it's coming in this episode uh like i because there's so there's there's a lot like you think like oh this is the episode where i'm gonna cry because of these three things and then you're watching the episode and you're like wait a minute there's 75 (laughs) things and i forgot they were all in here um Uh spike's face uh james marsters and sarah michelle geller in this scene are stunning to watch uh the way that he looks i'm gonna cry the way that he looks at her when she takes down the ward to keep him out is so much. It is so much. The, I mean, it's unbelievable what he does in that one look that just takes your heart and rips it directly out of your chest. He is so thankful and he gives voice to essentially what he's feeling when he says to her later in the scene. I know you never love me. I know that I'm a monster, but you treat me like a man, and that's... Get your stuff, I'll be here. Yeah, fuck this. Fuck this. A counterpoint, though. <laughs> <laughs> Just to play devil's advocate for a moment in time. Sure, sure, uh, sure. The woman you love. Her sister is in incredible peril. Time is of the essence. Tensions are high. Is now the time you opt to say this line? Yes, of course it is, because it's the 100th episode, the season finale. (laughs) You might not get a chance to say it later. That's why. That's why. You just answered your own question. That is why you you say it Sometimes you just got to talk it out until you get there. So, fine. Yeah. Also... Buffy says, Mm. we're not all going to make it, and I'm counting on you to protect her. And Spike says, to the end of the world, even if that happens to be tonight. (laughs) Ah. I can't Um, believe the television wasn't outlawed after this episode of television. I know! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Dawn is tied to the platform. Dawn's big toes are so much bigger than the rest of her toes. I... (laughs) I don't mean to put shame. I just, um, I just observation. I just, do you think they're really Michelle Trachtenberg's feet? I would and, like or to know. Are they foot doubles? I think they're really her feet. I think so too. 
But neither here know, nor there. But I, I can't. Was thinking I cannot about wait to, to get a, an interview with Michelle Trachtenberg and to be like, so Michelle, can you Tell show us, us your, your feet? feet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Most of us work really hard to manage our time well enough to cook healthy meals, but life gets overwhelming. There are errands to run, vampires to slay, extraterrestrial beings to investigate. Luckily, there's Factor. Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals. They are fresh. They are never frozen. They are chef-crafted and dietitian approved And here's the best part. They're ready to go in just two minutes. Absolutely no cooking required. Having a selection of these meals in our fridge over the past few weeks has been a game-changer. My wife and I are eating healthier and ordering takeout less, and this is not just about dinner. Factor offers over 35 different meal options to choose from each week with more than 60 add-ons. So there's breakfast, there's midday bites, and more. I have to admit I was hesitant at first. I've never had a ready-to-eat meal that made me feel good, and I have been astounded at how delicious each meal and snack from Factor has tasted. The difference is entirely because they're not frozen. They taste as fresh as if you'd made them yourself. They're also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries any time. Head to factormeals.com buffering50 and use code buffering50 to get 50% off. That's code buffering50 at factormeals.com buffering50 to get 50% off. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Okay, back at the magic box. Shit's coming together. We don't know what it is yet, but it's on schedule. Yeah. So um, Tara, obviously, being um, uh, a bit um, omnipotent, is that what you call it when somebody, um, um, uh, is it? Um, omniscient. Yeah. Omnipotent is all powerful. Ooh. Omniscient is all knowing. Omnipresent is everywhere. <laughs> and om is what we say to center ourselves. 
Tara looks at Giles and says, you're a killer, foreshadowing what will happen at the end of the episode. Um, And Buffy makes it clear in her speech, (laughs) anyone comes near Dawn and I'll kill them. Uh, And that's where we get this Henry V reference because Spike says, well, that was uh, not quite as as, uh, intense (laughs) as the St. Crispin's Day speech. Um, And then Giles, picking right up on that Shakespeare reference, says, we few, we happy few. Uh, and the Shakespeare line is, uh, we band of brothers. <laughs> Spike changes it on the fly to, we band of buggered. Uh, we're fucked, essentially, <laughs> is what he's saying. Um, and so I, yes. I thought, you know, like, knowing uh, knowing that Joss Whedon is a big Shakespeare dude, there was a lot of Shakespeare, um, there's a lot of Shakespeare, like, braided into a lot of Joss Whedon's stuff. And so I thought, like, he didn't just... He didn't just pop this fucking Henry V line in here. There's got to be a reason. And I'm not super well versed, no pun intended, in Shakespeare. Um, Like, I don't know sort of like the cornerstone um, characters and like their lessons and all that stuff. I have to look it up. So I looked it up. Do you know what Henry V's deal is, Jenny? I don't. Tell me everything. Well, I'm not going to tell you everything, but what I will tell you is that from what I could glean, and please, of course, always write in to bufferingthevampireslayer at gmail.com, but from what I could glean, um, and, and this is, I'm pulling this from um, a, like, Sparks Notes uh, summary, Henry V's predominant concern, the the play, not Henry V himself, but the, the play's predominant concern is the nature of leadership and its relationship to morality. The play proposes that the qualities that define a good ruler are not necessarily the same qualities that define a good person. So, mm. wow. Yeah. So, like, that's it, isn't it? Isn't it? And you just know, like, you have to know that it's there. You have to trust. Like, this is this is A plus writing. Uh, and I think in, like, A plus writing, like, this episode gives us uh, any time you're like, hmm, I wonder if. Yep. The answer is yep. There it is for you. Man. Whew. Do you think, Jenny, that to be a good leader, you need to have different qualities than you need to have to be a good person? That seems like an easy conclusion to draw, but I might say that that might be something we've been brainwashed mm. into mm-hmm. thinking. Yeah, I think there's a lot to like unpack there. I think that I think that to be a, a lead, I mean, even being a leader is a complicated concept, right? Like a leader of what? Like why do you like wh- why does a leader yeah. have more power than those being led? Like what are we talking about? But I do think that if you are, if we're talking in not terms of like I am a ruler of these humans, but more in terms of like maybe I'm like you and I are, right? We are like public figures. And so when when we speak, um, often more people are listening to us than uh, would otherwise if we were not public figures. So like I think the way we do work in public spaces is very different than the way we do work in personal spaces. That's what I'm trying to get at. Mm. And so that's what that brings up for me, right? That like, do you need to, you know, leader or whatever these words are are complicated. And I think to your point, Jenny, overladen with things like capitalism and white supremacy and all manner of power Mm -hmm. dynamics. We can even play the patriarchy jingle right here. The patriarchy! But I do think that some of this question of like, 
morality questions of making difficult choices um, can really open up some big conversations uh, when it comes to our responsibility to our friends versus our responsibility to communities, right? Like that those those spaces mm. are navigated in different ways. Um, and so I don't know, you know, it's just just again, I'm this is my, my whole mission in this podcast is to give you no answers. It's simply to sprinkle big thoughts on your brain and then mm. run away and be like, good luck. <laughs> Okay. Big day. Big day. Big day. Big day. Uh, yeah, everybody's following Tara towards her big day. And Willow says she could use some courage. And Spike <laughs> valiantly offers her some. It's really sweet. What a gentleman. Their exchange is so it sweet. Is. It's sweet that Spike offers it. And it's also sweet that Willow's like, no, I meant the real kind. And then she's like, but thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cute. Yo, Tara just like straight up wanders into the ritual site and... Glory immediately finds her, what luck, and is like, what are you doing here? And Willow's like, she's with me. And then it's fucking brain fingers bazingo, kaboom, <laughs> fucking. <laughs> Willow is restored to her former state. Uh, Glory is all fucked up and it's like, big day, got places to be, big day, need a brain. Uh, this is pretty wild. I'm sorry, stuff. I've heard nothing since Brain Fingers Bazingo. There's a Twitter account that um, uh, it's it's out of context buffering. I don't even know that that's the exact thing you can find it, but it's basically just like quotes taken totally out of context from the podcast that uh, the person who runs that Twitter runs. And I just like immediately saw Brain Fingers Bazingo uh, on that Twitter feed. So anyway, mm, yeah. Yes. So Willow makes a whole one of my another one of my timeless quotes. <laughs> Willow makes a hole in. Glory's brain uh, and wow yeah and in busts Buffy uh, and she's like well I got a hole in my brain I suppose I could use yours and Buffy says okay then come and get it hot 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 really <laughs> so wow Glory is feeling the effects of something she's straight up woozy she's trying to tell her minions to go Guard the girls, but she can't even find the words diversionary tactic uh, in her mind. She's she's so messed up. And Buffy whips out the Dagon Sphere and is like, maybe it's this. And she's like, it's, I hear it repels you, so you probably shouldn't touch it and throws it at her. And Glory catches it in front of her own face. And then she holds on to it. And you're like, why are you holding on to that thing that's making you so sick? And then she crushes mm -hmm. it in her well-manicured hand. Yeah. Hell yeah. Do you think that they have like a, um, in like the Hogwarts version of Slayer School, which Buffy never went to, but probably like Kendra did, right? Mm. Do you think that there was like a whole lesson on how to tell a Dagon Sphere apart from an Orb of Thessala? Well, I believe the Orb of Thessala was, was rather small, smaller than the you think? Dagon Sphere, no? I don't know. I feel like they were both palmable. Mm, palmable, but like it was like a almost like a baseball softball. Okay, okay, I'll give you baseball softball. Yes, I'll give you baseball softball. Maybe that's the way. And also, I think that the orb of Thessalo is a bit more translucent than the dagon yeah. sphere and silvery. And, and dagon sphere is more goldish. Dagon sphere is yep. gold. So Glory's like, you're gonna wish, but then she doesn't finish her sentence because she gets punched in the face. Yeah, keeping on theme with the slap and punch in the face episode, and probably more in this episode than any other. A lot of face damage happening <laughs> in this 45 minutes. 
Uh, and then it's charged for the Scoobies and Anya holding a baseball bat from the fucking middle. Yeah. This Madam. is so this is so graduation day part two, right? Like this is such hardcore graduation yeah. day part two vibes. Like everyone is throwing themselves in the battle with all their weapons. You want to see Cordelia jump in here if you're me. You want to see it, you know. But I think there were baseball bats in the graduation day fight, right? Uh, I just remember a lot of medieval weapons, but you <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, right. Maybe it's, it's all blending together. I know there were fire arrows at graduation day, but maybe there were, maybe you're confusing baseball bats with cudgels <laughs> and other beefy sticks. <laughs> maybe. So, okay. We're like, oh yeah, battle, a battle, a battle. Maybe, maybe we're done crying. No, no, you're not. No, you're fucking not. Because now we go to like the little garbage heap where oh, Tara no. lays. And Willow comes over and she's like, Tara? And Tara's like, Willow? And Tara says, I got so lost. And Willow says, I found you. I will always find you. And then you'll have to excuse me because I have everything in my eye. Literally everything in my eye. I can't. I got so lost. She says, I... <laughs> We'll always find you. I can't. It's like the two of them, their love is special. The other day, (laughs) people were tweeting out Slayerfest98 does a great job. uh, Great job on social media, giving us all the Buffy content we could ever desire. And they uh, tweeted out sort of like, what's the thing about you that makes you lose your Buffy card, right? Like your opinion. Mm. And Ira Mm -hmm. Madison third, I'm calling you out, was like... I think Tara is boring. Or no, I think Willow and Tara. It was something about Willow and Tara being boring. And we had an online argument about it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, so, Oh, my yeah, like, God. Ira, please write into us at Buffering Vampires. Oh, I'm sorry. Is moving a vending machine with your brain boring actually kind of? Like, uh, in the grand scheme of magical things that happen on the show, it is kind of boring. But well, I said I still, said their love. It must have been about their love. I Because I said their love moved a vending machine. And Iris said, I actually think that was magic. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking rude, Ira. So rude. Anyway, moving along from this, in this war I'm beginning. Um... Do not do not contact Ira and tell him that he should support Willow and Tara. Please leave Ira alone. He's made it very clear. <laughs> He'd like to be left alone. <laughs> he wishes. Please respect his privacy now and always. <laughs> okay, so um, right, uh, we we wipe the final tears out of our eyes because we certainly won't cry again in this episode of television. Yeah, and we get another little laugh moment where, you know, Glory is battling Buffy and knocks her head off. And (laughs) it's very like Glory Ben connection kind of in its humor where she's like, did everyone else know that the Slayer was a robot? (laughs) Yes. Yes, Glory. Some like it. But. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) But then the real Buffy just rolls up with the troll hammer and is like, kabloom. And then Dawn is like, looking down at bodies that must be about the size of ants in her perception is like, <laughs> uh, screaming. Oh, and then screaming and Buffy just fucking, she's like, um, fucking, I'm making Kristen watch me she's just ru- like mime running. She's been mime running for like right seven now. minutes. Looking at me like, you know, I'm trying to think of the appropriate thing. She's like, 
not a Peloton, you know, because that's a bike, but she's like on a freaking like Stairmaster? Elliptical, elliptical. Or, yeah, Stairmaster or something. <laughs> she's like, do, 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 do. Tosses one minion out of the way and then kind of begins fighting Glory all the way up this tower. And here's where I'd like to mm. say that Sarah's new stunt mm-hmm. double has been kicking ass mm-hmm. all, all season. We've been seeing it. And, and Sophia Crawford, fucking amazing, did an incredible job for four seasons. The new stunt double, Michelle Waitman, is just a much better uh, body mm. match, like a better mm-hmm. body double to Sarah. This was highlighted for me uh, over on Xena Warrior Podcast. If you're looking for a Xena Warrior Princess podcast to listen to, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, but they were talking about, they were talking about, um, you know, Lu- Lucy's uh, double mm-hmm. Uh, once Zoe Bell comes on board, and um, and then they were talking about how um, how much of a difference it made in season five of Buffy once once wow. uh, things shifted over, and like it's really true. Like it's 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 a lot harder to to pick out the visual markers that indicate oh this is definitely a stunt double. Yeah, and like the choreography is incredible. I, you know, this scene fighting up the tower. Um, is, oh my is God. like so it's sick. so memorable you know like you just you you're like season f- i feel like you think season five and one of the things you think about is these two fighting up the tower let's talk about glory says when buffy drops her hammer <laughs> you lost your hammer sweet cheeks thank wow. you that's a choice and then buffy's dropped her hammer oh no what possibly can happen next i came in like a wrecking ball Sorry, I had to do it. I asked for permission. I asked, I got consent from Jenny Owen Youngs before. <laughs> I don't think there's any, uh, there was any other reasonable choice you could have yeah. made than to do exactly what Thank you did. You. <laughs> Xander announces the glorified bricklayer picks up a spare. Basically down below, everyone's like, listen, as long as Buffy can keep Glory down here for a few more minutes, we'll be okay. Except fucking no, you won't. How How is this band of fucking raggedy ass minions and civilians keeping the Scoobies at bay? Is it because the Scoobies are trying not to hurt the civilians and only oh, kill the maybe. minions? Maybe. Because this is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they should be, right, they should be up there. Um, but I'm glad that they're not because we get Willow talking to Spike through the ether. Yes. Joel motherfucking Gray. Joel motherfucking Gray. Joel Gray is one of these actors that can have three fucking lines and do to you with them what another actor would need a monologue for. Like... He literally is like, hey, kid, want to see a trick? And then holds up a knife by his face. If I did that, you'd be like, what's that silly lady doing with a knife? But when Joel Grey does it, you're like, dear God, it is truly now Armageddon. Yeah, his selectively employed whisper Mm. is so terrifying. So terrifying. So (laughs) Willow picks up. Back on the ground. Willow picks up her tin can and is like, calling Spike. (laughs) (laughs) she talks to spike through her mind and spikes james marster's again like great with the comedic timing he's like looking at like the pieces of trash that are by his head and he's like is it she talking to me through <laughs> this thing what's going on um and she's like yeah, go yeah. now and he's like ah and and then t- testament to him like he trusts her 
Yeah, he trusts her. Willow grabs Tara's hand and parts the sea of the tower's defenders as if they were so many small, meat-based vending machines. Floosh, they part like the Red Sea. Meat-based vending machines. That's right. Spike gets up to the top of the tower. Another delightful dialogue exchange where Spike says, doesn't a fella stay dead when you kill him? And Joel Gray is like, look who's talking. It's just so nice. I just like give me I would (laughs) love I I wish we got more James Marsters and Joel Gray because what a what a duo. Yeah. Doc moves real fast and stabs Spike rather deeply. Then he says he doesn't smell a soul on Spike and is like, why are you doing this? Like, what what are you doing? Made a promise to a lady. And then Doc, oh my God, my goosebumps. Doc says he'll send the lady Spike's regrets Mm. and has Spike's arm, I think, kind of has his arms like twisted behind him and Spike can't do anything and like makes this like really, really gutting eye contact with with dawn before he is unceremoniously tossed off the tower yeah again just incredible like no lines there but you just see it jenny was doing jenny was looking at me with those eyes (laughs) when she's talking about it (laughs) (laughs) um and you know meanwhile we're sort of in the in this point in the episode we're going back and forth between um up at the top of the tower and then um glory and Buffy down at the bottom of the tower. This is fucking brutal what is happening at the bottom of the tower. First of all, Glory is bloodied up. I don't think we have seen Glory bloodied up at any point in the season. No. So it's no. very jarring. Buffy's just going to town. Yeah, and Glo- going to Hammertown. Glo- <laughs> uh, but Buffy can touch this. Sorry, I'm sorry. I gotta go. I'm that dad. I'm that dad. Oh my God. <laughs> I am that very dad. <laughs> so, but Glory says... You're just a mortal. You couldn't understand my pain. And that really got me that line of like, you're, you're, you know, obviously Glory is trying to like open up hell portals, whatever. Like there is a, there is an argument to be made that probably we should keep those closed. But I always think that it's very interesting when any show, but especially Buffy, since it's the one that we live inside of these days, makes this case of like, here is a God telling you that you can't understand what she is fighting for and what she is after. And there is a truth to that. Buffy cannot understand Mm -hmm. the end game of Glory. And Buffy only has the ability to understand her experience as a human mortal slayer. Um, So just, you know, another thing to chew on. I mean, I'm glad that, like the Hell Dimensions are closed eventually, mostly because uh, what happens to that dragon, by the way? Not to jump too far ahead, but like what what happens to that dragon? So let's take a look at that in, in just okay. a few minutes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so a bloodied glory turns into an even more bloodied Ben with a ripped up face and Buffy's all <sighs> tell glory it's over. And Ben's like, I guess we're stuck with each other, huh, baby? <laughs> and Giles rolls up and is like, can you move? And Ben's like, need a minute. And then some terrifying shit happens. Yo, they have this exchange. The, also, the use of uh, Tony Head and the use of Tony Head of Giles's glasses are uh, also fucking award winning in this scene because we we have mm. seen Giles uh, to quote your song, take them off and put them back on again many times. But um, Ben says she could have killed me. 
And Giles says, no, she couldn't. Never. And then he puts his glasses on. He puts his glasses on to then say, she's a hero, you see. She's not like us. And then with his bare hand, a move that we have seen only one other time, I think, in the series, which was the mayor on Buffy, with his Mm -hmm. bare hand, he kills Ben. He holds his nose in his mouth and kills him. Um, What? This is a moment. And this is like, this is the Henry V. Like, this is that question again. This is that, do you have to be able to do things that other people can't do in order to save the world? Or is your idea of saving the world not correct? Is Buffy's... Ever having to resort to... to... Yeah. Well, also, I mean, let's not forget that we're watching a television show. And and there's sort of like two sides to this scale... We can't take everything so literally because it is a television show and like rooting for someone who's bad to die is not the same as rooting for like a real person in real life to die. Okay. But then also the whole point of this show is to make, not the whole point, but a large part of this show and shows like it uh, is all about encouraging us to think about these choices mm-hmm. and their implications. Right. So there's no there's no two ways about it. Giles did what needed to be done. He's not but wrong. I, Glory would eventually come back. But I, I, no, that I disagree. Body I disagree with that actually because I think that like, and I'm not I'm not damning uh, Giles for the choice he made. But I think that the very question that the show poses over and over again is: Is there one thing? Is there only one path? And like in this episode, we are directly seeing Buffy say to Giles, there is not only one path. There is more than one path. And I am choosing the path where I do not kill a person. Maybe Glory would have come back. But but Buffy's choice is I'm not killing a person. I will deal with that when it passes. And so I... I really think that there is not. I think there's not one choice. And I think, but I think that's to your television show point. Like that is the point um, is to make us question that, to make us really look into our, our probably gut feeling of, well, you know, Giles had to do that. Did he? Buffy says no. Hmm. (laughs) Like to make you Well, Buffy actually doesn't say no. Buffy just says don't try to kill Don. Don't try to kill my sister, or I will. No, hurt I know. You. She but doesn't say. Yeah, Buffy, no, but you think you think Buffy is is on any kind of plane where she thinks like letting be- like that Ben's just gonna not like that that's just gonna resolve itself. Mm, I think that because Buffy has Giles, she has the luxury of being able to stay in her space. There is no Buffy without Giles. Otherwise, the world is out of balance, right? Like in this mm-hmm. realm. There isn't somebody holding, you know, wearing a white hat and trying to make the virtuous call all the time. And then somebody behind the scenes taking care of stuff so that she doesn't have to. I don't know. It's kind of like a fatherly thing, too. He's like he says earlier, he's sworn to protect the world. And that means sometimes doing things that other people shouldn't have to yeah no i mean like what does it all mean uh, i i follow i follow your um logic and your argument fully i just i don't agree with it because 
I think that Buffy's stance is one of saying, fuck your rules. Like, fuck your... And I'm not saying, like, Giles doesn't play by the rules either. Like, this isn't to... You can't you can't say, like, Buffy is A and Giles is B, right? This whole show complicates every character to the point where, like, they all have elements of the other in them. But I just think that Buffy's whole thing here is, like... I mean, it's complicated also because Buffy literally just killed an actual person a couple of episodes ago. So I wish that wasn't a part of our reality when she killed the Knight of uh, Byzantium. But... That aside, and some of her other questionable human life choices aside, um, I think her choice not to kill Ben is rooted in the fact that she doesn't she doesn't believe that she should need to exist in a in a um, reality where in order for everyone to be okay, one person must die. Um, and like that's that's the that's the whole point, right? That she does not agree that Dawn, an innocent person, should have to die on behalf of the rest of the world to make them better. And so I think that that's why she doesn't kill Ben either, is that she does not believe that. She believes that she, like, she obviously, I you know, spoiler alert, uh, like, and Buffy jumps off the thing at the end. Um, but she says, this is my job. Um, this is, like, th- like, this life being lost is something I can reconcile it wasn't ben's job ben didn't have you know well i mean i guess buffy didn't have a choice either god get us out of here <laughs> okay we're getting like really deep and, and confused and complicated which is exactly the point of this episode of television um so you know on uh, a lighter note uh producer yeah. Badaza, uh said to us you know i have a lot of thoughts about um sort of like Buffy as a Christ figure in this episode, which, I mean, you can kind of draw some of those parallels for yourself. Um, but, Alba, mm-hmm. why don't we have you come on in and tell us a little bit about what you know about, like, Christ figures and their origins and also, like, how we see many, many, many of those qualities uh, in Buffy in this episode and in past episodes. Um, Jenny, did you you happen to, like, mm, I don't know, have some little musical way to bring Alba in? <gasps> Producer Hey, everybody. Did you know that Buffy is a Christ figure? Yeah, I didn't know either until really recently when I took a theology and film class and I learned what a Christ figure was and my mind exploded. That class is actually what inspired me as a storyteller to pursue a minor in theology so that I could learn and understand the origins of our Western narratives. So you might be wondering what constitutes a Christ figure. Wikipedia describes that a Christ figure, also known as a Christ image, is a literary technique that the author uses to draw allusions between their characters and the biblical Jesus. A lot of mythology surrounding Jesus predates Christianity, but because of colonization and Hellenization, if you know anything about that, the biblical Jesus has become the primary archetype. Another deity with a very similar traits is the Egyptian god Horus. Don't believe me? Go look it up. In this segment, I'm going to list one for one ways that Buffy fits the qualities of a Christ figure so you can choose your fighter. Christ means anointed one in Greek and anointed means chosen. Buffy is literally the chosen slayer to protect the world. She is an anointed being. Christ figures are often foretold and prophesied to arrive Giles knew that Buffy would be arriving 
plus all of those prophecies that were written about her, especially in season one. The girl had a lot of things written about her before she came into existence. Christ figures have a group of followers. Buffy has the Scoobies, Giles, Willow, Xander, Cordelia, Angel, Oz, Anya, Tara, Spike, Riley, Don. The list goes on forever. Christ figures also have marks of wounding. So Buffy was bitten twice by the master and by Angel. Christ figures also pretty much always endure suffering. Buffy endures the suffering of her duty. She suffers pain when she jumps into the portal at the end of this episode. But really, over the course of her whole life in the show as we see it, she suffers because she doesn't get to be a regular person. She's always sacrificing her life for the salvation of humanity. Christ figures, the big one, die and are resurrected. At the end of season one in Prophecy Girl, Buffy dies. She's bitten by the master and she, you know, drowns or is unconscious. Like who, like what really happened to her? Do Like does anybody actually know? But, you know, okay, let's just say she drowns. And then Xander gives her CPR and she's revived. Classic Christ figure move. Classic Jesus. At the end of this episode, she sacrifices herself in the form of a cross. Her body is in the shape of a cross as she jumps into the portal, breaking all of our hearts into 1,001 pieces because ugh, there are a lot of other things that make up a Christ figure that Buffy doesn't fit into. You know, often they're men. Buffy is obviously not a man. Usually they're in their 30s, which is like the golden age. And Buffy is obviously not in her 30s. But in my opinion, these other things still make her fit into a Christ figure archetype. Some other cool Christ figures that exist in popular culture that maybe you didn't know about are Harry Potter, Rondi Robinson in The Wrestler, Neil Anderson from The Matrix. Neil Anderson literally means new son of God. Did you know that? Because that blew my freaking mind. Jake Sully in Avatar, Aang in Avatar The Last Airbender. I mean, the list goes on forever. I'm sure like you're sitting there being like, oh my God, there's like six characters I can think of off the top of my head who also fit these qualities. Yeah, that's what happened to me in class. So basically the moral of the story is that Christ figures permeate our culture, our forms of storytelling, our narratives, and like, it's cool to just know that that's what's up, you know? Just wanted to share, so we're all on the same page. Buffy is a Christ figure. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Also want to give a shout out to our listener, Tyler Brinkman, who I had a lovely conversation about how Buffy is a Christ figure and all the other aspects in which theology fits into the show. So shout out to Tyler Brinkman. Thank you. Okay, wow. This episode has everything. It has minions. It has vampires with chips in their head. It has girlfriends falling in love all over again. It has hell gods. It has Christ figures. Did I already say Christ figures? No. <laughs> that was the first Oh my time. God. Okay, let us please... I, I mean, nobody wants to be done with the episode, but everybody wants to be done with the episode. Giles killed a man. Buffy is Jesus. Whatever. Um... 
shallow cuts, shallow cuts, shallow cuts. Dawn is bleeding. Buffy gets to the top of the tower. Doc is like, this should be interesting. Buffy tosses him off the tower without a second thought, without breaking her stride. It's incredible. It's so good. It could only be that way. Uh, Uh, But unfortunately, the portal, which is way up in the sky, (laughs) has already begun to open. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, Uh, the blood is dripping, and now we are suddenly in the movie Aliens. Here is my second qualm with the episode. (laughs) Everything about this episode is like, beautiful and so well put together and incredible and and funny and and just devastating and then there's this sequence then there's this very unfortunate sequence we've got lightning ripping holes in the streets of sunnydale we've got buildings frying and then getting filled up with fucking xenomorphs we've got a fucking dragon, a dragon just flying out of that portal. Oh, what? A dragon, a dragon, a dragon. Everything looks... <laughs> I'm so sorry, but everything looks so bad and dated and goofy. I mean, uh, I'm here for it, of course, but it is the yeah. one spot in the episode that's just like... Ooh. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I Yikes. agree with you. I act, I have, like, a deep love for it because, like, that to me, the, the pan, I think I think you agree with this, too, but, like, the, the power of the episode far supersedes, like, the some of the goofiness of the, like, alien heads and the dragon. So, like, I, it's just, like, a nice little, like, LOL a dragon. And I beg to ask you, please, what is what happens with the dragon? Oh, that dragon opened up a little tavern outside of town. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. So... Yeah. Right. So Dawn, first of all, Dawn is going to jump. Dawn is... I know. I mean, like, Dawn is made of Buffy, right? Like, this is... this is the, These two as yeah, sisters are, you know, they are willing to do whatever needs doing um, if it's the right thing. Uh, and that for Dawn, little Dawn is I know she told me about the ritual and I'm I mean she would have walked right off the edge of that fucking thing she wouldn't have even flinched and that is you know to all you dawn dislikers out there I, I would ask you to really sit with yourself and think about this moment um <laughs> I love I love when tv shows and movies do this um I actually I think like lost I'm lost really dragged it out but um I love where we see a conversation between two people and we don't hear it um, and I, I prefer it in this format where then that conversation is overlaid over the end of the show. I think it's just done absolutely stunningly here. Um, and, yeah. you know, I guess the question is, Jenny, should we play what Buffy says to Dawn before the sexual tension awards or should we do it after? Oh, my God. What, how do we give them the relief they need? Probably I think we would play it, then do the sexual tension awards so we can all end not thinking about the world. Yeah, let's do it. Tell Giles it. Tell Giles I figured it out. And I'm okay. give my love to my friends you have to take care of them now you have to take care of each other you have to be strong 
Don, the hardest thing in this world is to live in it. Be brave. Live. For me. The sun very slowly rising way off the mm. diving board of the tower. Mm. The drama. What is the sun angel? Fucking. <laughs> we've got everyone. We've got Xander carrying Anya, who was un, who like fell under some debris. Uh, we've got uh, um, everybody I'm looking pause at you. At, there, mm-hmm. Anya did not fall under some debris. Anya saved Xander. Sorry. And put herself under that pile of rubble. That was a. It's a. I think it's a very uh, important moment that she saved Xander. My horrific mistake. <laughs> excuse me. Anya fucking took a hit saving Xander. Sorry, ass. Uh, and what else do we have? Spike weeping bitterly. Giles utterly devastated. Oh my god. Dawn. The tableau feeling everything. Well, hold on though, because Buffy jumps off the platform. Oh yeah. Because oh, yeah, let's not forget that that's what happens before this little speech. Or it, I guess it's after it, the speech happens, but before, before we, hear, we hear it. Exactly. And so it because the, the things that you're saying, especially um like the order of things is that the ta- the moments we see um while we are in the silence before we hear the speech are um Xander being pushed out of the way by Anya and like these the fighting moments that are happening mm. down below. But then Buffy jumps and Buffy closes the portal, right? Because she's figured out, I mean, we don't need to tell you this. You're listening to this podcast, you're a fan of the show. Her blood is Dawn's blood. Blood is blood is blood. And she goes, she death is her gift. Death, death is her gift. And this is what um the message meant. This this is her death can save everyone else. And so she's jumped. We see her body down below. And that now, Jenny, is when we see Spike weeping, this tableau of faces that like you just want to look away from. You like cannot stand to take it in yeah. them looking at the unbelievable thing, the thing that, you know, we said, like, oh, Joyce was the loss that, like, we didn't think would ever really happen. We didn't think the show would do that to us. Um, This is truly the, like, pinnacle of that. Like, Buffy died. Mm -hmm. We see her headstone at the end. Very infamous uh, quote on the headstone. She saved the world a lot. She did. This is one isolated headstone. They got a very private grave you area. Think there's like a Slayer, this is like the backyard. There's like a Slayer specific, a Slayer plot, plot in like Cambridge yeah. or something or Oxford. <laughs> Just to can't overstate it. I mean, she goes into the to the portal. She jumps into the portal in that that Jesus Christ pose mm-hmm. with her arms out. You know, kind of her body in the shape of a cross, and then she's held yes. in that white light and kind of looks like she's just like getting like mega electrocuted did you happen to read as i did that an earlier edition who knows how much earlier uh of this script had dawn 
successfully jumping into the portal and Dawn being held in the light and and dying to save no. everybody. Uh, that's a horrible thing for me not to have known as the uh, co-host of a Buffy podcast. I mean, I didn't know it until I was just doing a little Googling mm. today. And I, I don't have a cited source. And I'm so sorry to, you know, be mucking about. I also read that in an earlier edition of the season, Xander was going to fulfill the role of Ben. Xander <gasps> was going to... I know. I know. I got like full body chills in like realizing all of the things that that would mean. Yeah. You know who would be into it? Anya. (laughs) I like that like where I went first was, oh my God, Giles would have killed Xander. And where you went first was Anya would have loved sleeping with Glory. We all like what we like. <laughs> oh, wow. Jenny, that was quite a thing to save to the end of that fucking episode. My whole head just exploded. <laughs> Holy shit. That would have changed everything. They could not have had Giles kill Xander. I know. That would have been. I don't know what they would have done to to get wow. out of it. But um, Wow. Wow. So Buffy is dead. Buffy has died. The second the time, man. Again. It's the second time that she died, but, you know, the first time we saw her come back to life before the end of the episode, and uh, bye, we end on her fucking headstone. Somebody tweeted at me when I was tweeting about watching the, like, not, I was jokingly, but was I joking, saying, like, I'm quitting the show because I'm not, I don't want to watch this episode today. Like, I don't want to do it, you know, and somebody replied to me on Twitter and was like, the first day the first time I ever missed a day of school was because I was in elementary school and I watched the gift before going to school and I cried so hard that I couldn't go into school (laughs) oh my god (laughs) which is like yeah imagine imagine watching this in real fucking time especially if you're like a kid I mean if you're anybody but like I can't imagine being like a kid like it's over that's how it's over Wow. Holy shit. What a show. What a show. Yeah. Wow. Let's fucking do some sexual tension awards um, because I think that would be great. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about our feelings a little bit more. Yeah. Here we are, the final Sexual Tension Award nominees for season five. Good gravy. In slot one for the gift, your option, if you choose to select it, is Anya and Xander because they have sex in this episode. Mm -hmm. Oh, and then they kind of get engaged and it's very cute. (laughs) Uh, In slot number two, it's Spike and Blood. You heard Mm -hmm. him. We don't have to tell you why. (laughs) In the third slot, We've got an option for you that is uh, both sapphic and also like inter-existent. I don't know what the right word for a relationship between a god and a mortal, slight, even a slightly enhanced mm. mortal would be. But um, it's Glory and Buffy. Yeah. Uh, sweet cheeks. Pounding away at each other. <laughs> sweet cheeks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then your fourth option. Oh, it's Buffy and Spike because that was pretty Yo. sweet. Yo, is all I'll say. I know. <laughs> Vote for your pick uh, on our Twitter poll at BufferingCast. The poll will be up for a week. And then 
If I'm not mistaken, probably in the seasonal break, we'll have Sexual Tension Award brackets running on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, Emily McLongstreet is ready for it. Uh, we will, if you're new, if you're oh, yeah. if you're new to the podcast or how this all works, um, we now vote every episode. And Emily McLongstreet, our resident Sexual Tension Award uh, aficionado, aficionado. Zar. Zar. oh wow, uh, master of mm. ceremonies, mistress of ceremony, commander of ceremonies, <laughs> boss, the Bracket boss. Bracket boss, Emily McLongstreet, will take all of the winners through this season, bracket them up, and we will vote on them for a grand winner of season five. Now, if you really want to get excited, at the end of seven seasons, we'll do the master of all brackets ow, ow, and see ow. who is the top number one winner of the Sexual Tension Awards. Also, fuck everybody for voting for Jenny. Last week, Jenny now has two. Did I win? I won. Two. Two. Two trophies. You know how many trophies I have mail. on my goddamn shelf? Zero. What the fuck? Well, life is not to just be measured in trophies. Unless you're me, <laughs> then you can measure it in trophies. <laughs> Anyhow, that has been your Sexual Tension Awards. Uh, we will be back in your ears. We will be back in your ears several times before we come back with season six. And we will let you know more about how to vote in the brackets and also who won. All right. Well, um, uh, hey, buddy. I guess the podcast is over. Buffy died. Yeah, I guess. I guess it is. Um, you know, you know how like you never know what life is going to bring you until you're halfway into it, and you're like, oh, so this is what it really is. Like you can imagine, you can imagine. Kristen and Jenny in 2015 could imagine what it would be like to make a podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But then, like, now here we are, and I'm like, first of all, I did not think that it would feel this feelingsy in here. I did not think that <laughs> I would be this emotional about this show, these characters, our community, the work we're doing. It's just there's a lot. I'm very, very, very excited to move into season six, but I have to say I am feeling a deep sense of loss over not being yeah. in season five anymore. I feel very, very attached to this season in a way that, like, it feels different from other seasons. Yeah, man. Something has happened. I mean, it's like seasons one through three, high school. Mm -hmm. Developing, but mm -hmm. high school. Season four, we're at college. We're trying to figure out, like, what the show is after it's high school mm -hmm. as hell. Finding our way, finding our way. Season five, way found. Yeah. Uh, stakes yeah. raised intensity kicked the fuck mm -hmm. up well can i get real too about us and our journey by all means because i also feel like hearing you say that like i was thinking about you know when you create a thing you're like following the journey of that thing which is the show but you're also on your own journey and it's like for us like we started the podcast mm -hmm. we were married seasons one through three um and so like that was a particular that was a particular place it was a particular way to talk about a show we were in the same house we were popping into the studio we were you know it was just like a different thing season four was like will we make it through this season this unknown clawing just clawing our way through season four like you know how will we ever do this this is so hard 
And, you know, I think that season five, it's just like we got to, especially like by now, like we got to this place where I feel like we're finding our relationship in this space now as these two people. And so for the first time, it's like, oh, no, like we we finished the season. Like, I don't want to be done with talking to Jenny about season five. Like, I'm I'm like, I think I'm more yeah. present in the now than um, maybe I have been in seasons past, certainly than I was in season four. But, uh, you know, in, in any of the seasons. So. I don't know. You know, it's the end of the season and I'm full of feelings. So I like to bring them all to the table. Yeah. Plus, you've probably watched more like genre films in mm, the last like that's true. five months than you have in your whole life previously. So all that stuff is like funneling into your understanding of Buffy also. You're right, Jenny. Um, I think that like deeper and deeper we go is what I will say, you know, uh, on this journey. And we're going to be back. Um, you know, we're going to be we have a mailbag. We have some conversations to have here. We're coming back at the end of September with season six. So there's going to be a lot in the feed. There's a lot of changes happening in the universe. There's so many things going on. Um, but right now, in this moment, we have finished talking about season five. And uh, thank you for going on this seasonal journey with us. Yeah. Hell yeah. Do you have something in your eye again? Wow. No. <laughs> yeah i kind of feel like it feels kind of like like graduation or yeah. something like actual graduation not like yeah the episode, but also kind of the episode um i just feel kind of like wow what what now that like weird emptiness yeah. of like but <laughs> i know thank god there's another season oh, ahead thank god yeah, don't talk to us at season seven, man. I'll tell you what. I don't know what it's gonna. I don't know what's gonna happen. Mm. Uh, but we don't. Mm-mm. We don't want to look there. We don't want to think about that yet. We have time. No, time, no, no, time, no, 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 time no. before we get there. Um, Jenny, who are you? Yes. I, I somehow have gone this whole two hours without uh, knowing. I'm here to tell you that I'm Jenny Owen Youngs, and when I'm not making this podcast that I love so dearly, I'm writing and recording songs. Uh, You can learn more about me at JennyOwenYoungs.com. You can find me on socials, across all socials, at JennyOwenYoungs. I'm going to be releasing some music during the break and after the break, so if you want to get first listens at that, please follow me uh, around. Um, (laughs) Like, just like uh, like literally follow you around? Just just, like tiptoe behind you? Yeah, just keep a (laughs) six-foot... As Buffy said, stay close, but don't crowd me. <laughs> uh, you can also listen to me and my wonderful friend Helen Zaltzman talk about another petite blonde protagonist over on Veronica Mars Investigations. That's my other podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I am Kristen Russo, uh, doing all manner of things related, of course, to Buffy. Uh, but also, I do a lot of work with queer community. Um, you can learn about the projects that I have worked on in the past and that I currently work on on my website, which is kristinnoline.com. That is K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. And you can use that spelling to also find me on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, I do a Patreon-only podcast uh, with the wonderful Joanna Robinson, and I have to tell you something very fun. So we just finished um, going through Terminator. It's where I watch movies I've never seen for the first time. Guess what we're doing uh, in a a week or two, or who knows what time is, but guess what we're doing next, Jenny? (sighs) What are We're switching the roles, and I am taking Joanna... (gasps) On a gay adventure. <gasps> oh, oh yeah, baby. God. Please tell me, please tell me your first your first project is a Angelina Jolie <laughs> triple feature of Foxfire. 
Gia and girl interrupted. Please no, say it's, it's not, true. But like the, the possibilities are endless. And I hope to like my my goal is to both have a great time and also ensure that Joanna is queer by the end of the journey. Uh, yeah. Um, our Otherwise, you otherwise failed, I've, of I've failed. So someone suggested that we watch Jennifer's Body, and that's what gave us the idea Woo! to uh, depart on this gay journey. So we're we're watching the first trio because I do think that there will be many. And noted on your Angelina Jolie trilogy, uh, our first trio is Jennifer's Body. But I'm a cheerleader, which Joanna has n- never seen. Oh my god! And a Kristen Russo classic. Lost in Delirious because, oh, you, you I got mean. it. You have to, to listen. I'm, I don't want to get too far into talking about this here in our <laughs> outro, but just gay falcons are, you know, important. I'll leave yes. you with that. Anyhow, uh, that's a Patreon-only podcast, so you can access it uh, on our Patreon or over on the Storms Patreon. That is Joanna Robinson's Lost Rewatch podcast. Uh, and who the hell are we? Well, Buffering the Vampire Slayer is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast, or drop us an email at BufferingTheVampireSlayer at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail aw, at 216-30-BUFFY. Hell yes, you can support us in a variety of ways. You can become a part of our Patreon family. Uh, you can also get some merch. We've got Why Are Men t-shirts. We've got Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy shirts and hoodies. Uh, we have lots of fun things over there in the store. Um, all of that you can access uh, over at Buffering the Vampire slayer.com many links for you um please 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 go on over to our website and click on just keep fighting to learn about the anti-racism work that we're doing here in the podcast space we brought on uh some wonderful new voices albadaza who you know and have heard in the podcast mckenzie who you will hear more of in the podcast and who you know if you're part of our anti-racism reading and discussion group latoya ferguson who is going to be Coming over here into the feed to talk Angel next season. Um, We're really, really excited to be doing a lot of the work that we're doing, and we're excited to be doing it with you. Uh, And Jenny, oh my God, is it time? It's time. It's so hard to say. Till next time. Uh, Could live.
What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.